Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I am just chiming in here for a bonus podcast episode because guess what? We are uh, on break right now. So I'm not even supposed to be doing this. We are in between seasons of the podcast. So we ended a season uh, a couple weeks ago, and we're starting our next season on Wednesday, January 8th. But in the meantime, I wanted to give you something to hold you over, and it is something quite a bit different, if I do say so myself. bit of a personal uh, episode, a very different flavor um, than our usual programming. Um, so this might this episode might not be for everyone, um, but if you've ever had a, um, an interest as to what things kind of look like behind the scenes for me, then, um, then you're in for a, a real treat here. So that's all I'm going to say, really. Without further ado, let's dive in, and I will see you again Wednesday, January 8th, back for our normal uh, programming in the new season. Okay, see you soon. Welcome to the Private Practice Workshop podcast. My name is Oliver G. You might be thinking... This isn't John Clark, and you're exactly right. That's because I've taken what I've done here. <laughs> I'll introduce you in a second, John. Uh, what I've done here is I've taken the curtains and I've flung them open to reveal John, uh, the real John, behind the curtains. Welcome to the studio. You seem almost too comfortable hijacking my show. I, I think it's fun to hijack kind of someone else's twice show. About this. No, no, this is going to be fun. But okay, uh, fun. the thing is, John, uh, you can't just sit there and talk about yourself for half an hour that'd be weird yeah that'd be really weird and you'd creepy and you'd script the questions and yeah. no one would really get to know anything and it would be fake yeah yeah i mean i've tried to do it before it's fake with that real talk no no this is the real talk uh, i'm a little nervous now well to be honest what we're gonna do i'll walk you through this episode okay, please. Uh, the idea is i want to talk to you uh, i know your story pretty well yeah um i know that some of your listeners think they know your story pretty yes. well in fact, I've got a couple of questions from them. Yeah. I'm going to delve into okay. at least one or two of them. But okay. I've got a lot of questions of my own. Um, but I kind of want to get this story told about, uh, well, your story, mm. really. Uh, you've, got a, you've got a polished version of what you do, but people don't mm. know what goes on behind the scenes. And mm. I want to talk about it, especially the thing that's particularly interesting to me is how you moved it to uh, the city of Paris, yeah. which is where I live too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but... Maybe uh, my first question would be, are you comfortable with the, this introduction and where this is going or am I freaking you out? You're doing great. I'm freaked yeah. out. That's a good thing. That means Why? I'm growing. Yeah, it's true. You don't, don't you think that's a thing if you're ever too comfortable? It's a little more comfortable on, on that mic, so to speak. Oh, yeah. Interviewing people. Yeah, because you know where it's going to go yeah, and you can cut them control. off. You've got no control anymore. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let you sort of talk me through th some things. Yeah. Uh, but particularly something that we've talked about a lot before, mm. you and I, is the whole Paris angle. Mm. Because yeah. uh, I know that was something, I don't remember the number, yeah. but I know it wasn't that long ago that you even talked about it on your podcast. Yeah. On this podcast. Yeah, it was, se it was September 11th. Yeah, 11th. I remember that actually. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. an important date for many reasons. Yeah. Um, why didn't you talk about it straight away? That's a good question, man. You're getting right to the heart of it. Well, I think I think that's important. Yeah, it is. Should we give background first? No, we can get right into that because um, the whole thing happened, you know, it was literally a year ago tomorrow, uh, I mean, December 14th, um, I moved full-time to Paris. About six months before that, my wife was looking for a job and we had some options on the table. 
San Francisco, New York, or Chicago. Right. Those there was a distinct cities. lack of Paris. In <laughs> there was a distinct often. lack of Paris. And I thought, okay, I can do one of those cities. I've done San Francisco before, so maybe not that one again quite yet, but uh, maybe another city. I'm up for it. And then she they're got cool cities too, as well. They're Chicago cool cities. New York. They'd be and great. San Francisco. Uh, she, when my wife lived here when she was younger, she uh, she interned for this startup incubator in Paris called the Family, and that's it. And my wife had talked for years ever since I've I met her about her love of Paris, and I never really got it. Had I was you, like, you'd been here though once, but for like three days, and it was miserable. And I was wearing a plastic poncho, taking a tour bus with my family, and it what, was what season? It was horrible. It was winter. It was like January. How old were you? Um, I mean, I was in my 20s. So I was probably like 23 or so. 24. Impressionable, but also the kind of age you don't care about everything. Didn't really care. Yeah. Uh, the customer service was terrible. The food was just whatever because we went to to- awful touristy yeah. places. And when you have such a short period of time, uh, you're quite happy to go to stereotypes that true. Yeah, I really didn't like it. Mm. And so when, when Kat got the job, I was so freaked out, mm. honestly. I, you know... I was so riddled with anxiety that time that I I pretended it wasn't happening. Mm. And in fact, she left for Paris before me. Um, She left our home in in Charlotte, North Carolina before me. And I had a moment of panic one night where I called her and she was already in Paris. And I told her I wasn't sure if I could still come. Really? And we were married. Yeah, that's interesting. (laughs) And she was like, what do you mean? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. I don't know if I'm like, brave enough to do, do this. Do you think you really meant it or do you think you just need to voice it? I think a little of both. Yeah. I think I was really questioning it because at the time I owned a, a group counseling practice in Charlotte. I had busted my tail for the past couple of years to build that thing from scratch and build this business, build private practice workshop um, in parallel to that. But for, for this, like this kind of business, private practice workshop was always on the side and it was always kind of a bonus. And yeah. then all of a sudden I was going to need to figure out what to do with this business in Charlotte. Yeah. I was going to need to become a foreigner, an expat, yeah. and, you know, in this foreign country, not speaking a word of French, not knowing anyone here, having only visited once and really hating sure. it. Sure. It's also like, um, it's it's like a relationship, what you had with PPW. Yeah. It's like having yeah. a go, you like how I did that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, PPW. Dub. So, uh, so casual. It's like, um, it's, like a, it's like having a wife as well. Yeah. Or a brother or something. I can't leave this. That people liken having a business to having a baby, right? Like a a, a baby, and so you know, I've never had a baby, so I couldn't do that one. <laughs> so CCW, well, CCW Charlotte Counseling Wellness was my baby, and I was hesitant to give that up. But honestly, more than that, I really doubted my abilities, and I really thought um, if I'm going to do this full time and run PPW full time and be remote and this online business person and do it from a foreign country. And what if I lose relevance? Yeah. That was a big question I had. And that was a reason why going back to your question, I did, I didn't bring up Paris for a long time. Yeah. It's well, cause I was going to bring yeah. back to the question. Cause, yeah, yeah. It, Cause you feel like it's uh, uh you could feel like an intruder and an, an imposter. Yes. Yeah. You're like, and that must've been, that's probably what was going through your head. Yeah. You're like, cause of course you can still do PPW anywhere yeah but if you're not and then when you moved here you won't talk about it. i remember having a, a coffee with you yeah could have been a beer yeah could have been could a beer been. Uh, and you were you were talking about that you were gonna mention it yeah so you would have been talking about this september episode uh and there's a fear in that yeah just in general because this imposter is it a syndrome or something yeah, yeah. Like you don't want to be a syndrome. faker yeah um but how did it go it went great it went- what was the reaction to it 
I feared it would it would diminish my credibility because I'm not running a private practice anymore. I'm not in the U.S. Mm. anymore, at least for now. Um, if anything, I think it potentially enhanced my credibility because I realized I'm doing something that a lot of therapists want to do, mm. which is to build an online business you can do from anywhere. Remote. I also mm. see some counseling clients, you know, online via Skype. And um, I, the thing is, I didn't mean to really build this business or this kind of lifestyle for myself. It just happened that I kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And now I can take it anywhere with, when I have a laptop and an internet connection. And a lot of therapists want to do that now, understandably so, to have the freedom and flexibility. And they want to travel Europe. They want to go to Thailand um, and do all these things. And now it's kind of like life caught out to me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, now I'm doing these things. Yeah. But now I've got to keep it afloat. Yeah. And there's a certain pressure around having moved to Paris. And I also went through a tremendous amount of like... Uh, just issues and headaches and there's been tax issues. I had staffing issues once I left. Mm. I had things happening behind my back that I won't mention that were incredibly stressful. And I was going through all those things and trying to build a life in Paris and meet, mm. make friends like you um, and just build a life, right? And um, to do both those things at once was honestly horrible. Mm. I would not want to do it again. You know what they say though? Yeah. If you're floating, you're dead. Okay. <laughs> that's brutal <laughs> but it's there's a truth to it if yeah. you're just uh, cruising if you stayed in the states yeah like m taking this big plunge uh, that might be true not just means you're active and growing and everything like yeah. that but it also makes you an expert for I assume you get a lot of emails from people who want to do a similar thing yeah uh, I think it's cool that you can talk about it and that you've lived it. Mm. Who knows where the future goes? But yeah, you've, uh, that's a good question. Mm, but you've done it now. Mm. And it's probably a good thing to talk about too because if there is this imposter yeah. thing going on, yeah. uh, it would just grow. It yeah, would yeah. fester Fester. and float. But uh, you've moved to Paris. I want to, I don't mm. know what uh, directions I'm allowed to go in here as, as, a, as a guest host on your, own, on your own show. But uh, how have you found the transition to Paris? I know you were a workaholic. To yeah. the highest degree in the states. Yeah, are you still? That that has honestly been one of the biggest shifts. Is that I, I really feel like Paris has cured my workaholism to an extent, to the extent that it can. Because when I got here, um, to be honest, I I don't think I realized that I was probably masking some unhappiness when I was in Charlotte and just some uh, uh, ennui. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I said that word right. Yeah, sounded good to me. You know what I mean? But this this just kind of like, um, I think perhaps I was a bit understimulated and uninspired and that, at times. And that made you work more? And it made me work more. That's interesting. I just clung to work more. Yeah. And I had, to be honest, I had very few friends in Charlotte. Yeah. And, and that was always really tough um, to have lived there for a few years. And I remember this moment after being in Paris and... The first few months we moved here in December were very difficult. It was very cold. We brought three animals on the airplane here. Um, uh, we didn't have a place to stay. Finding an apartment in Paris is harder than finding a job. And uh, and I was just I was lonely and I didn't speak a word of French and and especially not speaking any French. The French can feel quite abrasive, right? Mm. Or going in and making some faux pas. Oh man, can be really. Um, it can really suck. It can be really discouraging. Sure. And so what I did is I then decided I'm going to make learning French almost like a part-time job mm. and started to take it really seriously and kind of try to embrace my life here for better, for worse. Still, And, and still for many months when we first moved here, I was still like, I, I, I don't know if this is going to work at all. Mm. <laughs> mm. It's true though. Learning a language 
learning the local language is such a ticket to uh, everything. Yeah. It, it opens every single door. Yeah, Every yeah. door. Even what you just said about difficulty finding an apartment. Yeah. You know, like if you, uh, if you were to apply for an apartment viewing mm. in English mm. and six other people applied in French, like, yeah. I'd like to come see, and that real estate agent doesn't speak English, yeah. they're not even going to respond. Yeah. Imagine that. And that's for everything. That's it's, for everything. It's weird being discriminated against for speaking only English. Right. Um, given that I've lived my life with so many privileges, right, in the U.S. and I've never thought deeply enough about what it's like to be an immigrant in a place. Mm. And uh, some of those things are really real because, for instance, the first time I had to make a doctor's appointment mm. and call places mm. um, was mortifying. Yeah. And For in sure. fact, I would delay that yeah. or I would not get a prescription filled because I didn't know how yeah. or I was too, I was too worried about going in there and like trying to explain things. And there's a line of 15 people behind totally. me who are all like, and that's when hussing. it's, yeah. <laughs> and that's when it's like, I mean, getting an apartment or going to the doctor is super important, yeah. but even on the lowest levels, that kind of fear of yeah. buying a stamp yeah. or a croissant oh, or something. That too. It's uh, <laughs> I saw it yesterday. I saw two Americans in a, a town and I saw it literally yesterday. Two Americans trying to buy a stamp. They needed to get a, I don't know what you call it, a recommended, you know, a tract yeah, em- yeah. letter. And uh, the woman spoke decent English and they were going, we need it to be tracked. And yeah. she was like, I don't know what you mean. Yeah. I don't know what you mean. Yeah. Goodbye. And they turned around. I felt so sorry for yeah. them. I was like, look, use this word. Yeah. That's what you need. Uh, but that's just to get an envelope, you know, like so doctors and stuff. People don't realize, especially people uh, who've lived a life of, you know, comfort in their own country and never had to think about that kind of stuff. Puts everything in perspective, huh? The the reasons why, I realized this recently, the reasons why I love Paris are the same reasons why I hate Paris. Expand on that. The line between love and hate for me here is very thin. Wow, I don't know if that's dangerous. I, I don't know either. But what do you mean? I don't get but, it. But to be to to uh, to put some perspective, I felt the same way about San Francisco. It was very polarizing for me. For instance, even just recently, I had a, a like a doctor's. Uh, I'm healthy. I'm fine. I just going to the doctor's just one. It's a an example. I had to go to the doctor's office. The lady was speaking way too fast. I barely understood. I asked her to slow down. She didn't under She didn't slow down. She was. She was just being difficult and impatient. And I was having a crappy morning because I'm like, I need to figure this thing out. And everything is just so hard here. And then there's traffic. There's like, it's crowded, right? There's dog people on the sidewalk. There's some things that were agitating me that morning about Paris. And it's like, um, uh, you know, things just don't work as effectively here. Like Mm. nothing happens fast. Mm. We don't get what we want right away. Um, because things just don't work as well here. And in general, I, it seems like the French are okay with that. They're more patient than I am. Mm. So that's, for, exa- for example, something I hate mm. <laughs> about here. Mm. On the other hand, I love it because it forces me to slow down and it forces me to learn a bit more patience. It forces me to just kind of surrender to it in a way. This is really cliche and cheesy to say all this stuff, but but it's tr- I've learned a lot by just by studying how the French live yeah. and how French people are different from, from me. Mm. Going back to the work thing, they also, uh, um, I think they know how to experience pleasure. I think they often live for pleasure, which is novel to me. I they think they I say that a lot. Work. Yeah, a lot of people say yeah. that about uh, Mediterranean countries. Yeah. They live for pleasure. Yeah. That's amazing to me. Yeah. Long, holi- many holidays, short uh, yeah. hours in the work week, early retirement. They're also brutally honest about like, um, we were with friends recently as someone was making guacamole and someone took a bite 
and it was a French friend, and she said, this is horrible. This is really? disgusting. Mm. And I thought, dear God, you would never say, I would never say such a thing. But she was right. Mm. And it was like, I'm not going to eat this thing if it, it doesn't bring you me pleasure. It? No, it was my, another guy making it. I was right. like, That's, no, I've noticed that having a post a postcard, a podcast where I get to interview French people sometimes, yeah. uh, not brutally honest against me, which is like fortunate, but yeah. like if I say, what do you think about this? That's a thing that they will say, no, nah, don't care about that. Yeah, yeah. Wrong with it. I'm like, that's a, you know, someone owns that restaurant yeah, yeah. you're just you know, like taking a stab at but it's true yeah, they're, yeah. they're very honest yeah. but you know you going back to the patience thing have you uh, have you found out how to improve your patience because that's a big thing that's yeah. not easy I'm working on it and I think one thing that Paris has kind of taught me is that uh, work is just one part of life yeah and I really struggle with that to be honest um no one will ever have to tell me to like work harder, put in more hours or like I should finish this project. Um, because my temptation or my kind of risk is always going to be that I can, I can very easily overwork. Mm. I don't know where I was going with that. Well, you know, you know, I, I picked up on something, you know, they say in Paris that uh, people never ask each other what they do for a job. Yeah. And I, when I heard that, I was like, I don't know if I believe that, but I've been paying attention to it over the past couple of months. It's true. Yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it was even you that said it to me. Yeah, I think so. Because I'd never thought about it. Yeah. And then even last night I was at some French event yeah. and I was not leading the conversation. I was just like passively yeah. enjoying it. And I was like, um, yeah, no one's asked what anyone does here. It's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of tough for a workaholic, but maybe it helps you. Do you ever play chess? Too impatient. Yeah, me. And if I can't win, we talked I, about this. I yeah. don't want to play. Yeah, I started playing chess to try and improve my patience. Yeah. Um, but I got, I've got a we question from someone uh, okay. at home, but I'm not going to do that one yet because no. uh, I also want to. That's going to be the next one. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned your pets, yeah. and that's a big thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just having pets in Paris in yeah. general. Yeah. Is that uh, is that being a sort of help in being an expat here, having a couple of friends who can't talk back? I think so. Um, the funny thing about that is when we came here, we brought all three pets, two two cats and a dog, and um, we had a tremendous amount of paperwork and stuff to fill out for them. We had to get all these vaccines and send the vaccines to New York and get paperwork back from New York. It was insane. And then we showed up here, and of course, the day that we walk in to this country, Customs is just closed that day. Mm. And this is also... Patience. You need patience. This is also so funny, though, but they were just closed. So we walk in, and we're like, oh, we have three animals to bring in in this country and they're like uh we're it's closed today you're fine just come on in no way hilarious how annoying That's, uh, that it's annoy annoying me. but yeah. it's also very representative of how things here mm. are like mm. kind of comically either, are either really hard or just kind of don't work mm. and so you just get in so um honestly it was more stressful to bring the three animals and find a place where we could have three animals in the apartment um but it is nice to have that kind of piece of of home uh, unfortunately we had to put my my sweet dog lucia down recently so um, so that's been difficult and dealing with difficult things like that when you're far from home um, is, I think, especially difficult. So I think you have to learn to, I've had to learn to lean on friends a bit more and to really build community around myself. And I feel really lucky I have that because um, there's a, I've, we've just made some really amazing friends here that really like friends kind of make or break your life, I think. Um, and here they've really made our life. So I feel lucky that we have folks. I think it's important know. to, um, realize that in your life because i was thinking we've got uh, a downstairs neighbor mm. and she she's i think she's fairly recently divorced and very unhappy mm. and she's kind of crazy like she's become an alcoholic from yeah. what i understand 
and she plays piano at two o'clock in the mu- in the morning, mm. and she doesn't care. She just doesn't care. Yeah. Like last night, she she knocked the butt. I think she fell over. Like she's. I think she's in a bad state. And at first, I got really annoyed. Then gradually, I became sort of like, um, you know, is she okay? Like I worried a bit. And then last night at two o'clock, when she was making this noise, I was thinking, uh, she's in an unfortunate place. Yeah. She doesn't have for friends and yeah, family around her, and it's things like that that make you realize sometimes that you've got a value when you've got it going on. So it's nice totally. that you recognize that you've got it because it's not till you don't have it like her that uh, I think you're right. things get real difficult. Yeah, I think you're right. Will you permit me to... Uh, we got a we got a uh, question in from one of your listeners. Go for it. I'm not sure how to pronounce the name. Try. It's a name I've not seen before. Uriah. Nailed it. Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Uriah Guilford, which sounds quite English. Nailed Guilford. It. I think that's a place in England. <laughs> uh, I assume it's a woman. I'm guessing. It's a dude. Is it Uriah? Yeah, definitely a dude. U-R-I-A-H. So what would be the um, female version of it? You know, like, you know, Antoine and Antoinette. Delilah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Uriah, thanks for sending in a question here. It's uh, John. How do you separate your work time from your personal slash family time? Yeah, that's a huge one because... Um, yeah, being all remote here, working in the apartment, you should also understand that my life ha- starts happening six hours before the East Coast has even woken up, <laughs> nine hours before the West Coast yeah. has woken up, where yeah. most people I interact with for my work are. Yeah, we're so going to come back to that as well. I have a very weird life yeah. in Paris in the regard that I wake up and the day is kind of mine until about 2 p.m. Yeah. when the East Coast wakes up and yeah. things start happening with work. So I live this weird life like you see me and some of these yeah. times we meet in uh, Ceylon or we meet for coffee in Montmartre and have like well a, let's let's talk about the morning bit after yeah because I'm interested in your morning routine now it's yeah. all upside down but back to what you write said yeah. how do you split it like does that mean you don't go out for dinner with your wife sometimes yes um, and that's quite difficult um, but in terms of splitting it uh, it's quite hard. It's something I've struggled with in the past year. You know, I have an office at home. And so I try to create some physical separation with my space. I find that really important. And at the end of the day, I when I shut my computer, I try to make a list of the things I'm going to do tomorrow that are like non-negotiables. And then I shut the computer and then I try to shut the door and I change clothes immediately. That's interesting. Yeah. To, to make the psychological shift into I'm now you know, husband or I'm going out yeah. with friends or whatever. So I, it's kind of like change, taking off your work uniform a bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I still struggle with it. Cause when I log out at the end of the day, whether it's like seven or 8 PM, usually um, everything's still happening mm. in terms of my clients, my programs, questions, hey, social weird. media. Yeah, so it. my world is still like buzzing by the time I need to go have dinner with my wife or go hang out with you or whatever I'm doing. What would be your, uh, if you had to work a, an American day in Paris, what would that mean? Would that mean like midday to 9 be, p.m. or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it'd, it'd be about 3 p.m. Ugh. for till 11 p.m. So you must do that sometimes as well. Um, not that late. I've had to be really careful yeah. with it, but certainly there's been times when I've put in hours like that mm. and it's not ideal. But they say, it's kind of like what you said about changing clothes. They say uh, you shouldn't like eat in bed Hundred percent. Or watch TV in bed. It's called paired associations. Parrot associations. Paired associations, oh, paired. like the two together. Yeah. yeah. The idea is you only want you want your mind to only unconsciously pair an activity with a certain environment or an environment with one activity. Mm. So bed would be sleep. Yeah. And sensual intercourse. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, if it's you're only lucky exception. enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, That's the only exception. But yeah, same thing. Paired. What's it called again? Paired. Paired associations. Yeah. Okay. So you putting on your 
your sweatpants is a paired association yeah, that you're chilling. Yeah, that means chilling. it's Xbox time. Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but back to the morning. Yeah. Uh, does that mean that you just chill out in the morning? Do the Sometimes. Crosswords? I struggle with mornings a little bit um, because I can sleep in. Yeah. And I like to. Um, when I get up, for instance, I got up probably 8.30 this morning, which is so much later than a lot of people listening to this show get up. But you're um, on a different... T- it doesn't matter. You can't compare. True. You can't compare. They have that's no true. one... Those people aren't still working yet. That's true. 8 p.m. I have a similar thing. I also... Because yeah, yeah. my people... I work with a lot of American people yeah. as well. And I'm like, well, there's no point. If I was... If, it's probably like... If I can't... I'm not going to put out a blog post at 8 in the morning. Yeah. Because no one's going to read it. Yeah, you true. Know? I'd rather true. put it out... Or yeah, Instagram post. I US. put it out at 11 at mm. night. Yeah. So I know what you mean. So all these people mm. telling you get up late at 8.30? No, mm. thank you. Yeah. You know what I do to... Uh, and it happened today. What I do so that I don't feel bad for sleeping is I sometimes schedule a meeting in the morning like we had today. Yeah, I know. That's the way to do it. I think it just gets you going, gets yeah. you out of the sweatpants. Yeah, I think I need that. Yeah. Um, the The beautiful thing is in the mornings, because that time is mine, that's when I live a lot of my kind of Paris life, Yeah. which I really like. And I really adore the simple things here. Um, going to my favorite uh, boulangerie and having a pain au chocolat, mm. having a croissant. Um Something simple like that, like or walking down uh, Rue Martyr mm, and getting nice a street. croissant and walking to a, a little park or a little square, yeah, is one of the most divine things you can do in Paris. Let's um, let's focus on <laughs> this for a sec, and maybe we can sort of wind up on this yeah, topic because yeah. uh, we're getting behind the curtains. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think you talk that much about your actual French life, yeah. work aside, mm. and how you know the things that you enjoy. Mm. We talked about the things that you love and that you hate. But what do you actually love about being here? You've been here a year now. You can give a good answer on this, I think. It's this place is so gorgeous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. There's so it's oozing beauty. I just have to look out my window and see the building across with the ornate little handrails and mm-hmm. the intricate like stonework and the doors. It's unbelievable. Mm. It's hard to not be inspired here all the time. Mm. Also, when I see this place being full of tourists, because it's always full of tourists, it reminds me how lucky I am to live here. Mm. And so sometimes I can snap out of my sometimes negativity because of that. Because yeah. I get to see like, wow, people came from Japan to sure. see this place. And they've yeah. people have dreamt of it their whole lives. Yeah. People come here to do a wedding photo shoot. Crazy. Um, and I'm like, I get to run and take a jog like, like down the Champs-Élysées. Yeah. It's very like something I do sometimes. And... It's still a little surreal in that regard. I kind of forget because I live my Paris life in the mornings and then I clock in and I'm an American business consultant. Sure. It's important to do that. To, to It's important. To have that little reminder that yeah. you're in a place that's uh, such a dream. for yeah. some, some people who dream and, and don't dream their whole life of coming here and yeah. you can jog to the Champs-Élysées. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, let's finish on a kind of question I typically ask on my own show. All right. Let's say you have to go back to San Francisco or Charlotte or maybe Chicago or New York yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Today's your last day in Paris. Mm. What are you going to do? Man, you're going to like this one because I would be in your neighborhood yes. on my last day. Let's hear it. Uh, I would go to Montmartre and uh, this is our favorite, uh, my favorite little neighborhood in Paris and I'm I'm stupid lucky that I live so close to it. I don't live in it like you do yeah. but I'm right down the street and I hop on my little electric scooter. Yeah, you're so French. Oh my God. Thing. 
and I can be there in a few minutes. Yeah. And I love hills. I love anytime I can get up a hill or like kind of get lost in some hills, yeah. I'm happy. And Montmartre is very undulating, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And there's just something incredible about it. The cobblestone streets, it's so old, the traditional cafes, mm. the modern cafes that we hang out in. Um, I would just walk around like I did the other night at like 11.30 p.m. Mm. I just walked around Montmartre and the Christmas lights are up and they're unbelievable. Mm. So cute during mm. Christmas time. Mm. So charming and just oozing with charm. Mm. So I would probably just do that and have a croissant in the morning, uh, maybe have some cheese and a baguette in the afternoon and maybe some wine at night. And probably wear a beret just get, just to top it off. Yeah, so that take it over the top. So that <laughs> it's kind of like uh, so the other people who live in Paris look at you and go, "These tourists are so happy." Yeah, it makes this guy's studying abroad over here. <laughs> well, that's great. I think we can wind it up there. Best of luck with. Uh, I mean, you probably do your own outro, I, I assume. Yeah, but you can do one too if you want. Uh, you Thanks guys for doing this for me. You guys, if you're uh, listening to the show and you haven't hit that subscribe button, what go. are you doing? Subscribe to the show. That way, you get new episodes right into your phone uh, as they come out. Subscribe to the show. Hey, look, you know, we don't always ask you to do that around here, but uh, why not leave a review? Leave a review on iTunes Review. You know, like they still mean something and it gives hosts like John a little warm feeling in his heart to see that someone's left a five-star review with a nice word. Hey, he might even read it out on an upcoming episode. Me, I've been Oliver G uh, and it's been great being in your ears for half an hour. Thanks for having me, John. Thanks, Oliver.